Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Overtake F1 podcast. I am Ted. As always, I am joined by my brother, Tom. Tom, Mercedes is WCC champions again. Botas on the top of the podium, followed by Vettel and Hamilton. Hamilton with the fastest lap that secured the title for the 2019 season. Yeah, I think we've all seen this coming for a while since probably Bahrain at this point. But uh, to, uh, this weekend in Suzuka confirmed it. Uh, Mercedes wins their 2019 uh, World Championship Constructor Championship title. Uh, it's going to be their sixth straight WCC title, which ties them with Ferrari for the most consecutive. Uh, Ferrari winning from 99 to 2004. Um, and it's just been utter domination. You know, we're going to talk about these years with mercedes like people talk about schumacher and ferrari now just because it's it's in the same you know echelons of the sport um the mercedes team came out they dedicated their win to nikki lauda um who passed away this year um great moment for for them i think that's a really honorable thing to do dedicating it to him because he was such an architect and he was such a key part of that team of building up that team so um kudos to everyone uh in the mercedes team for clinching the wcc uh and basically clinching their sixth straight wdc uh because it's essentially coming down to hamilton and botas everyone else mathematically eliminated um but it's probably going to be hamilton right uh, it's going to be hamilton and i think that's probably as we get into what happened at suzuka i think that's why you'll um, you'll hear kind of like what the radio messages were from, from Hamilton trying to go to the end there, um, on those tires. He was, he's, he knows he hasn't mathematically won the WDC yet, uh, and that Botas still has a chance. Um, but I think by all accounts, like it's going to be Hamilton again. I think we're pretty confident in saying that. And it seems like ever since, um, Mercedes jumped out to getting those, what was it? Five one twos at the beginning of the year, five or six straight one twos at the beginning of the year that we've seen the title gone, you know, eventually going to uh, Hamilton and to Mercedes again. So here we are, we've got four races left and Mercedes are your six straight WCC champions and Hamilton's well on his way uh, to another WDC championship. Tom, what has most impressed you about what Mercedes has done over this six year stretch? Just the inevitability of Mercedes you know, we see it a lot in American football with the Patriots and Alabama of just, they are just so buttoned up and so good at what they do that it's just in, they're a monolith. They're infallible. They are just inevitable in the fact that they will be fighting for the championship and have a good, good, good chance of winning it. And Mercedes even goes beyond the Patriots in Alabama, like the, the, the Patriots and the Crimson Tide have lost recently. Uh, Mercedes just doesn't. It's just an amazing execution in strategy, in mechanics, in driver skill that they just hardly ever put a foot wrong. And even when they do, it's usually just something that's completely outside of their control. Like they just you know, in Singapore, they just didn't have it. Like they just couldn't make it happen, but they did everything right. They did everything they could right. And, you know, it just feels like every race weekend, it's Mercedes's game to lose. And that's, that's impressive that they just are always in there and they're always just 
the, the ones to beat. It's pretty insane to think about it. How many people are in the factory? How many people uh, work for the company? How many engineers they have? Um, de- designing all the software, all the aerodynamics, everything that goes into building the car. And then, you know, having Lewis Hamilton doesn't hurt at all. And Valtteri Botas, even though we always go, you know, we're always hot or cold, you know, on Botas, it was nice for him to get the win here at Suzuka uh, today and kind of lead that charge on getting them a healthy haul of points that officially clinched this uh, WCC title. Um, but just the, the entire organization year over year over year, holding up the same standard of excellence as, as they have been able to do uh, over these past six years and absolutely dominate the V6 turbo hybrid era. I think that's what's, that's what this era is going to be remembered most for is that we, we got away from the V12s. We ushered it in a new era and this new piece of technology that we wanted to create uh, for the sport was utterly dominated by Mercedes. So as you mentioned before, uh, a lot of different eras uh, have been dominated over, you know, three to six, seven year stretches. We had, you can think of uh, McLaren, um, Williams and Ferrari have all had their points of dominance over the course of history. And this is Mercedes's time. Uh, so unbelievably impressive from total Wolf and everybody, even though they tried to convince everybody every weekend that, you know, they're, they're vulnerable and Ferrari's got the better car. And, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, at the end of the season, here we are again, another WC and another WDC uh, for the silver arrows. Yeah, and after the Sunday qualifying session, uh, it looked like Ferrari was going to rain on Mercedes' parade because uh, Sebastian Vettel got pole in a fantastic drive, Leclerc right behind him, and Mercedes looked flat-footed out there. But as Mercedes always does, they uh, came in and they took it back from Ferrari pretty quickly in the race. Um Vettel jumped the start at the beginning. He ended up not getting penalized, but then he was, you know, completely overtaken by Botas and Botas drove uh, the rest of the way, basically unimpeded. Meanwhile, Charles Leclerc ended up hitting Verstappen in turn one and basically ended both their races and showered Hamilton in debris from his uh, ruined front wing, which, um, you know, Leclerc's been taking a lot of heat uh, for his driving out there. Um, he was initially told to come in. He was told to box because there was damage. And he kept saying, I don't see it. I don't feel it. It's okay. It's okay. And then eventually Ferrari had to be like, no, you need to come in because uh, it's completely unsafe. You've got stuff taken off people's mirrors. You're ruining other people's races. And eventually Leclerc was given um, a 15-second penalty all told uh, for his issues this weekend. Um, but Ted, do you feel uh, Ch- Charles Leclerc actually deserves all the blame here? Or um, was there a problem with, was should Ferrari have done more to try and bring him in? I think the penalty was too light, honestly. I think 15 seconds for what we've seen uh, other drivers do this season and getting stop through, you know, stop go penalties. Like this, I don't think this was definitely like, wasn't just a racing incident on the contact with the first Stappen. I think he clearly pushed him off the track. I think it was fairly obvious to what we've seen um, get penalized uh, otherwise this year. And also what's been let slide earlier, you know, a lot this year. So I think the contact with Verstappen was definitely a penalty. I think you have to understand the ramifications of it ruining 
um, the Red Bull and basically compromising Verstappen and Leclerc's races. And then the amount of debris that was coming off the car and his refusal to pit, it was absolutely unbelievable. I think people go hot and cold on Leclerc. I think we, we all want him to be kind of the next thing because we're watching this era of Hamilton dominance and we need the next person that's going to usher in the new generation. We see, you know, Verstappen doing well, but not winning, um, not in WDC contention. Like we want Leclerc to be this, this next guy and we give him a lot of passes. And this is definitely a time where he did not deserve a pass. He deserved a penalty. He was disobeying uh, team orders from what we could hear on the few transmissions that we got. Um, but the fact that you're leaving that much debris over the track, Hamilton got the brunt of it. I mean, good God, some of those slow-mo replays of, of the front wing pieces coming off, you know, it dragging around the track. Um, if that front wing catches on, you know, the ground and like, we've seen what debris can do to people's races. Remember Botas and Baku way back. It completely blows out his tire. Like the ramifications are not good. And for him to deny his engineers, um, and hit for Stappen and ruin his race, like 15 seconds. And I don't think it was enough. And I can't believe it took him so long to issue the penalty overall. Yeah. I feel that, Ferrari, the garage could have done more to bring him in and tell him like, no, you have to come in right now. I feel like they should take more, Bonotto should take more of the blame for not recognizing it and not bringing him in immediately. Um, and I think Massey also might have been a little too, race director Michael Massey might have been too uh, tem- timid in not um, forcing Leclerc to come in immediately as well like there's a special um uh black flag with an orange circle on it that is to like specifically for these instances where it's hey your car is too damaged to continue you need to pit and the fact that he made it to lap three and the fact that that kind of stuff was coming off and his team wasn't telling him is ridiculous because the telemetry is maybe not saying that the wing is is damaged but they have tvs and they have access to the feed they can see what's going on with that car and they should have done something. So I don't put it on Leclerc because as he noted on social media, on his Instagram, he can't see it. He cannot see where the wing and the end plate was falling off, but, and obviously he's trying to drive, so he can't see the debris coming off, but you know, it's on Ferrari to bring him in in that instance and say, no, you're damaged. You need to come in because he basically ruined Verstappen's race. He hurt, Hamilton's race and he basically ended Lando Norris's race because Lando Norris had um, debris lodged in his brake duct which literally set his brakes on fire when he came in for a pit so um, again Leclerc's young he really wanted to try and win he's hot-headed I get it Um, Max Verstappen was in the same boat you know when he first got into Formula One and he was doing a lot of this so I fully anticipate that Leclerc is going to be better in the future and something like this probably isn't going to happen again. Or if it happens again, he'll be more uh, quick to respond to his team, but not a good look this weekend. not a good look for Ferrari and Vettel did everything he could to take second uh, in a car that was severely lacking the race pace it needed um, against the Mercedeses, but not a good weekend for Ferrari um, after what they saw in qualifying. Kudos to Vettel for, you know, eventually battling back and and splitting the Mercedes there at the end. He did have Hamilton on his tail for the last uh, seven or eight laps there. 
and ended up holding them off with the um, with medium tires. Uh, Hamilton was on used softs. Vettel was on medium tires that were about 10 laps older. And with that Ferrari power, he was able to, you know, hold off Hamilton uh, and continue to take second. So if there's a silver lining, it's there, but just kind of another roll your eyes, Sebastian Vettel moment, uh, doing everything he can to get on pole. Uh, here we go. It's Ferrari dominance. Once again, we're going to continue. Uh, we're going to continue this Ferrari train and he jumps the start and all of a sudden it's over really before he got to turn one. So, you know, good on him for getting there and staying in second. Um, but what could have been for Sebastian Vettel on Sunday? As we mentioned, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull was severely compromised by Charles Leclerc, uh, basically losing 25% of his downforce. He retired quickly. Max, since the break, has placed third in Singapore, fourth in Russia, eighth in Italy, and has had two DNFs, Belgium and Japan. So not ideal after what is supposed to be, you know, a progressing and building uh, performance for Red Bull. And unfortunately, um, kind of the torchbearer for the Honda engine in Japan wasn't able to finish the race. So for Max Verstappen not to have been competitive in Japan uh, must have been a severe bummer for Honda. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a scene out there this weekend. Uh, all of the Honda fans out there supporting Red Bull and Toro Rosso, uh, really expecting Verstappen to be in it. And unfortunately, it was just over far too quickly. Um, so Max, unfortunately, the two DNFs, definitely not his fault. Uh, Kimi hit him. Kimi and him came together in Belgium and uh, he and Leclerc came together in Japan. Uh, and then meanwhile, you know, uh, Russia and Italy, both caused by uh, engine penalties uh, that he had to take to try and get that Honda where it needed to be. Um, so just really unfortunate second half of the season for him. He does always close strong. So we'll see how he does in Mexico, where he won last year uh, in Brazil, uh, where he was doing great until the Ocon crash. Um, he'll he'll definitely finish strong, uh, and hopefully next season he'll be in an even better spot. Uh, and Albon was uh, out there, uh, very proud of his weekend's performance. It was his first time driving on this track. He had only two sessions to learn it and practice on it, and he came out and he just did the classic Red Bull drive. Uh, he wasn't fast enough to beat the Ferrari and the Mercedes, but he was far quicker than the rest. So uh, all he had to do was dispatch the two McLarens, uh, which he did on Norris into the chicane. And then he did with signs on strategy and kind of just strolled his way into a fourth place finish. It was kind of dicey there for Albon as he was behind signs it was you know that was a part of the race that i was interested in because that's kind of who he is going to be tested against at the moment um he's not really competitive with the top five so you know being in that signs area he's clearly battling with him for the uh for wdc points um although it's not you know exactly a level playing field um uh, as he switched seats from toro rosso but it was interesting to see that he really like he couldn't get past signs right there uh, on the track he did get past him on strategy. So Albon, since the break, has two fifths, a sixth, and a fourth. Uh, that's very Red Bull of him. Albon's got the seat for next year, right? 
Hundred percent. Um, the way that Albon's been driving in the Red Bull and the way that Gasly has been driving in the Toro Rosso, it just makes sense for them to keep it where it is, um, give Albon the chance to continue growing and getting better in the Red Bull. Um, you know, with a full season's worth of uh, races with Red Bull, he definitely would have taken sixth in the uh, WDC. That's a that's probably um, not going to be a contentious take. And Gasly just seems so much more comfortable in the Toro Rosso that I think that it's just better for everyone to stay where they are. So we'll see what Helmet Marco and Franz Tost and Christian Horner all decide on. But safe money's got to be on a Verstappen Albon uh, double bill for 2020 um, over at Red Bull. As for the McLarens, take another bow, Carlos Sainz. He is a smooth operator and has been all season. Solid drive as he was lapping at the same pace as the Red Bulls for the pretty much the first stint of the race. Uh, he kept Albon behind him, as we mentioned, until the pit window and then got undercut, uh, but was, all, was able to hold on for fifth place overall. So another really, really uh, solid drive for him. Norris, unfortunately, as you also mentioned, um, got caught up in Leclerc's uh, wing debris, got lodged into his brake duct, and then in a really wacky situation, he had to pit with his brakes on fire, which was just crazy. Uh, he was able to finish, but without the damage, this could have been like a much better points haul for McLaren. So if we're giving Albon the seat, then the next question we have for the Albon signs conversation, uh, is Albon going to catch signs? In the WDC uh, right now, Albon has 64 and signs has 76. It seems like unless there's a DNF in here, that there's going to be a lot of finishing right in the 6th, 7th, 8th range uh, for both of these drivers. So he is 12 points down at the moment. Does he catch him with four races left? It's still tough because I feel like there could be another one of those DNFs for McLaren. Um, they've been you know, usually so solid, but the Renault engine is a ticking time bomb, and who knows when it's going to go off. And if it does then, you know, Albon's probably going to take it and uh, finish sixth place in the standings. Um, you know, if I can put a qualifier, as long as Carlos signs his car doesn't explode, I think he's got it. But I just don't have enough faith in the Renault engine for it to happen. And also, it's it's Formula One, you know. Carlos Sainz finishes seventh. Lance strolls somewhere near him. Boom. Carlos Sainz out of the race. You know, I could see it happening, uh, unfortunately. And um, I really, really, really think that Carlos Sainz deserves the sixth place. I think that he has driven fantastically. Um, I think he, everybody at McLaren has been, you know, we've been singing their praises all season long, but he just deserves it. Norris deserves it. Unfortunately, he's had some really rotten luck. But I think the really interesting thing now is where is McLaren? How's McLaren going to finish this season? And what does that mean for next season? Because McLaren is the clear number four team on the grid right now. Um, they haven't been able to translate that into podiums um, like we've seen in the past with a Force India or a Williams. But yeah, you have to think McLaren's got a shot at third next year, right? I don't know. I mean, they've they've dominated the midfield this year and they're still over 200 points behind Red Bull. So unfortunately the way that the points shake out is like, you have to get those podium positions to really like accumulate a mass amount of points. And until we see a McLaren on a podium, I can't see them finishing higher than fourth. And then as we've seen 
uh, with Renault, like it's really hard to maintain fourth. So being in that fourth position, McLaren has shown us a ton this year. They've shown us, shown us a ton of grit from where we came with the Fernando Alonso, Stoffel Van Dorn, um, Honda GP2, you know, engine partnership. They switched over to the Renaults and look where they've come uh, so far. So paired up with that McLaren Renault, they're at 111 and Red Bull is way up there at 323, you know, provided um, with a couple Max Verstappen wins, um, a couple Max Verstappen like podium finishes, like when you get those those 25 and 20 plus point finishes, like it really vaults you up there. So, you know, as McLaren is hopefully able to build next year and continue to progress, if they can sneak onto some podiums and they can compete with Red Bull on a race base uh, on a weekly basis, I think they can, they, they would be able to challenge them. But if I had to say right now, from what I've seen, the Red Bull is still a much, much better car uh, than the McLaren. And I don't see them competing for third next year and unless something really really goes wrong uh, with Red Bull and they you know are falling into the midfield which is a much bigger story than it would be for McLaren to be jumping to third Red Bull down to fourth would be a much bigger story yeah it looks like McLaren's probably gonna have to wait until those Mercedes engines get in the chassis before they're really going to be competitive we'll see uh, how that develops and if that changes with the regulation changes in 2020 2021. Uh, the Renaults um, have the inverse of the Ferraris. They had an absolutely atrocious qualifying, um, starting 15th and 16th on the grid. Um, Ricardo made a mistake in Q1 on his flying lap, didn't get out of Q1. Meanwhile, Nico Hulkenberg uh, didn't get out of Q2 due to a hydraulics issue. But uh, credit to them that they were both able to turn that into a double points finish. Um Ricardo uh, ran the counter strategy. Uh, he took the medium into the soft. Uh, and so he ran long on that stop on the medium tire. And then when he came out of the pits in 11th place, he was able to attack these guys on the slower tire and made it his way all the way up to sixth by the end of the race. Classic Danny Rick performance. Absolutely loved seeing it in replays only because the director would never show Danny Ricardo passing. It was all replays and it was all uh after the overtakes had already happened yeah this is the daniel ricardo that we wanted to see right obviously we don't want him starting from the back uh having a terrible qualifying but that's just kind of where he is with renault and like what's going on uh with that decision at the moment but we did get a vintage performance from daniel ricardo uh, charging all the way up into the top 10 so that was phenomenal obviously we didn't see any of it so uh go to f1.com and check out uh, Danny's charge up through the field and you can watch all of the overtakes, all of the late breaking uh, that got him up and eventually finishing uh, into sixth place after the uh, Leclerc penalty. So phenomenal drive uh, from Danny Ricardo, Nico Hulkenberg uh, finishing 10th. So another double points uh, finish for Renault, a stellar day after what started as a, well, I guess it was all the same day, right? So it was a stellar afternoon after a terrible terrible morning for the French team. Unfortunately, all of that may be for naught. Uh, Racing Point has lodged a protest with the FIA regarding Renault's brake bias adjustment system. 
they are claiming that the electronic system violates uh, Formula One regulations uh, and is in violation of the International Sporting Code. Uh, so the FIA technical department has impounded both Renault cars as well as their steering wheels as they conduct an investigation. Uh, this will probably be a while for them to get in there and analyze all of the code and the data and everything that's in there. Um, but Racing Point feels they have a strong case. They sent a 12-page dossier to the FIA detailing everything that's going on. I don't know where they got it. Some people are claiming that there might be a, uh, a mole in the Renault organization uh, who has ties to Racing Point. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, of course, being the, the main culprit. But um, this is huge. I mean, this could lead to the Renaults vacating their points finish for Japan. Uh, this is similar to what we saw with Alfa Romeo losing their points finish in Germany this year due to uh, an RPM issue on the start. Uh, very similar, small, little rule. They messed up one little thing, and boom, suddenly there go the points that you've worked so hard to earn. Will Buxton is out on Twitter saying that this may end with Renault vacating a lot of points in the championships. Um, Buxton on Twitter saying, quote, complexity and gravity of Renault's alleged transgression can't really be overstated. Potential that if the alleged system does what is claimed and has been in place for some time, that it won't just be their Japanese result in question, unquote. So, you know, if the FIA finds that Renault's been using this system for however many races the entire season, they could lose all of their points, go down to the the bottom of the grid, get barely any prize, get no prize money, and essentially be up shit creek. It's really it's really rough, and you know only Renault knows the extent of the damage. Um, they are cooperating. They acknowledge um, racing points. Um, complaint and their um, protest. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and um, if it affects Jap Japan, if it affects the second half of the season, if it affects the whole season. Um, it could be really disastrous for the French team. Before we go any further, like what's the what's the name of this controversy, right? We've had we've had Crashgate in Singapore with Fernando Alonso and the rent and and Renault all the way back then. Um, are we going with Breakgate? Are we are we trying to do some French translations here? Whether it is incompetence or cheating, I feel that if points get vacated, Cyril Abitable is gone. Um, and it's honestly a long time coming. Um, some people are being very chicken little about this in that uh, they think that this might be the end of Renault's time in Formula One completely um, as the two architects of their re-entry into Formula One are now part of the company, and the new Renault CEO doesn't seem to be too keen on motorsport in general. But um, we don't know if the sky's falling. Again, FIA needs, to, FIA needs to do their investigation, come out with the results, assign the punishment, and then we can see how this is all going to play out. Well, that sounds like a whole hell of a mess for Ciro Bittable, Danny Ricardo, uh, Nico Hulkenberg is probably throwing up the peace sign. Deuces, I'm out of here next year. You guys deal uh, with this stuff unless, uh, you know, he is the connective tissue back to uh, Racing Point that is leaking that information. That would be hilarious and the most F1 thing ever. Toro Rosso, uh, Pierre Gassi, he looks so much better in the Toro Rosso, right, Tom? Like, he, so much more comfortable in the Toro Rosso uh, than he ever looked at Red Bull, made it into Q3. 
which has been an accomplishment after just a really tough season for him uh, this year. And he held that pace through the race. He was involved in a clash with Perez at the end of the race, uh, but the stewards ruled it was a racing incident. And Gasly ended up finishing eighth, getting four points. So good for him. Uh, it's good to see a guy who's been through so much this year, all the ups and downs, uh, to be gaining a little bit of momentum and doing well here at the end of the season. Yeah, um, he definitely looks so much more comfortable there in the Toro Rosso. I don't know if it's just the pressure being off it's or if it's just his experience with the um, the team and the car in general. But, you know, he got into Q3 in qualifying, looking really good. Um, and then just, you know, made he made up one place overall in the race. But, um, you know, that's all you can do. You go in, you go out, you perform, you know, you play your strategy, you come in and you get points for the team. So this is um, his uh, third point scoring outing uh, of the second half of the season. So, you know, not bad. He's doing it in a lesser car and he's still able to go out there and get some pretty good results. So uh, kudos to him. He beat out his teammate, uh, Danny Fiat uh, once again. And hey, you know, Gasly and Albon, the two young guns, providing points for Red Bull and Toro Rosso and by extension Honda in their uh, home race. So good for them. Uh, Good to see uh, some points on the board for Pierre Gasly again. Sergio Perez crashed on lap 52 of 53, yet he still took P9. This is a crazy, crazy situation. So there was a technical glitch uh, that led to the race being officially called after 52 laps. I guess the, the system that, that ends the race went off before Sergio Perez's crash. Therefore, the race was officially ended, and all of those places where everybody was, those were uh, set in stone. So therefore, the crash uh, took place on the cool-down lap. Either way, Perez drove a great race, getting into the points after starting 17th. Uh, there were a lot of drivers charging up through the field this week, which was awesome to see uh, for all of us watching. He ran two stops and was involved in a ton of on-track action, uh, really just caught up in the thick of everything. But Tom, what do you think about this glitch that uh, F1 had basically ending the race a lap early? Shades of Canada, what was that, last year? Waving the checkered flag too early? Yeah, except this time it was the system that screwed up, which to me it's like, okay, you just like, you saw how the last lap played out, just take that as being part of the race. It doesn't matter if the 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 machine glitched it's you know you can still count the last two laps or last lap but apparently like the sporting code is so strict that it says whenever that flag is waved even if it's not at the right time that is considered the end of the race so if you know again like in 2018 canada um the woman waving the flag waved it two laps early and it's just like fia is just like that's it that's that's the end of the race and it's like ludicrous they're like yeah we're just gonna we're gonna let it go so you know, it really benefited Sergio Perez and, you know, he, he, I feel like he did deserve it. You know, he, uh, ran the two stop, he pitted for, um, for soft tires at the end, uh, on lap 40. So he got to charge right up behind Ricardo. And so he basically went from, uh, he was in 11th on lap 48 and he ended up getting up to ninth by lap 51. So, um, you know, good on him to, get out there and you know again he came from 17th on the grid up to points so uh good for him you know that's the Sergio Perez we know and love that's why he used to be picked all the time in our pick and that's why he got me uh 
two points this week. Well played on the pick. Uh, Winnie Harlow, we're going to put you on blast just for what you did in Canada last year, waving the flag too early. So the F- F1 is really in a, in a tough spot here. Do you go with the machines uh, to run the checkered flag or do you run with uh, supermodels, Canadian supermodels to wave the checkered flag? Uh, we've got a, we've got a serious discussion on our hands, uh, checkered flag gate here. The rest of the drivers on the grid, uh, we'll gloss over here pretty quickly. Kimmy just had an awful, awful end of the season. Second half has been terrible for him after such a strong start with alpha. Uh, he was routinely getting picked, uh, by us as one of our three drivers as well. Um, but we feel it's, it's on him and not on Alfa Romeo as Giovinazzi started 11th in this race you know, and has scored in two races uh, and was in position to score in, in Spa before the crash. So Alpha and Giovinazzi having a pretty strong uh, second half of the season, but Kimi, not so much. It'd be interesting, you know, we should dive into some Kimi press conferences and see kind of just, just where he's at and see if he's uncomfortable or if he's, um, you know, if it has something to do with the car. But for a guy who was routinely getting Points finishes at the beginning of the year, we were all over him. Um, second half of the season has been straight garbage for the Finn. Yeah, and I think he's frustrated as well. There was a great um, Twitter interaction where he was just like, you know, classic Kimmy, like, what's wrong with the car? He's like, if I knew what was wrong with the car, we wouldn't have a problem with the car. And, you know, it's just flat out like he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to say. And it's really unfortunate because uh, he was looking he was looking real solid. Um, meanwhile, uh, Haas, they looked solid in qualifying, but just could not get it together. Uh, Kevin Madison, uh, actually crashed in qualifying. And although he had a great rocket start, uh, in the beginning of the race, he was basically a non-factor after that. Uh, Grosjean actually qualified well, got to Q3, finished 10th, um, but had absolutely no race pace and fell to 15th. So, uh, continuing, um, you know, continuing issues at Haas. I'm sure they're just hoping for the season to end so they can get working on the uh, next year's car. No race pace for Haas, huh? Haven't heard that before this year. Stroll and Kofiat drove well, but were shown up by their teammates this weekend. Uh, Williams and Kubica are not ending an amicable relationship. Uh, Kubica has been vocal about the unfair treatment he feels that he deserved in Russia when he was forced to DNF. Uh, and then again here in Japan, where he didn't get the front wing he wanted in the race. That brings us to our driver standings, uh, even though we kind of know where we're at. Lewis Hamilton way out front with 338 points. Valtteri Botas still in the mix with 274 points. Charles Leclerc in third with 221 points. Max Verstappen in fourth with 212, tied with Sebastian Vettel. Carlos Sainz in sixth, holding on with 76 points. Gasly in seventh with 73 points. Alexander Albon catching up with 64 points. Danny Ricardo, big leap this week uh, up to ninth uh, with 42 points. Nico Hulkenberg in 10th with 35 points, tied with his former teammate Sergio Perez and Lando Norris. Uh, all of them have 35 points. Danny Kvyat in 13th with 33 points. Kimi Raikkonen in 14th with 31 points. Kevin Magnussen with 20 points in 15th. Lance Stroll in 16th with 19 points. Uh, Romain Grosjean in 17th with 8 points. Giovinazzi with 4 points in 18th. Kubica with 1 point and George Russell with 0 points. Your 2019 constructor standings. Mercedes are your victors after mathematically eliminating Ferrari in Japan. 612 
points is the winning score so far this season. Ferrari in second with 433, Red Bull in third with 323, McLaren in fourth with 111. Uh, just about 40 points, let's see, 44 points clear of Renault in fifth with 77. Then Toro Rosso with 59, Racing Point with 54, Alfa Romeo with 35, Haas with 28, and Williams with one. And that brings us to our pick'em. Uh, this weekend, we had Ted with Vettel, Signs, and Kimi. Uh, that was a total of 28 points, 18 courtesy of Vettel, 10 from the Spaniard. Meanwhile, I had Verstappen, so I was pretty much out of the race immediately. Uh, despite Perez getting me two points and Ricardo getting me eight points, uh, I thought I was dead to rights after the qualifying session. Uh, turns out that Signs of Ricardo and Perez were able to get up there and get me into the points, but Verstappen crashed out. No, nothing there. So Ted will be getting the Asahi sent his way. Uh, that brings us to uh, Ted up 9-8 with um, four races left to go. So um, we're really coming down to the wire here. We have uh, a closer race for our pick them than we do for the WDC or WCC. So uh, this is where the real action is living. Good. I love Asahi. Give me that Japanese beer. Uh, I'll take that and drink it while we watch Mexico. Uh, Vettel, Signs, and Kimi. Kimi obviously not doing well for me, but Vettel and Signs, uh, solid points haul there. Uh, Verstappen, unfortunate for you after you picked, took a flyer on Perez, which was uh, questionable, but also ended up strong. And then Ricardo, which is questionable, uh, but strong. Unfortunate for you that Verstappen didn't get you any points as you probably would have taken uh, it home with a podium finish uh, fourth or fifth. Thank you everyone for listening. Check us out on Twitter at OvertakeF1Pod. Uh, like us, rate us, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks again, Mother's Polish, for commercial free racing. I hope this, this current system that we have with the Sky Sports simulcast on ESPN and Mother's Polish uh, giving us commercial free racing for two hours continues into next season and beyond it has been absolutely awesome so we will see you all in mexico as we get out here to the uh western hemisphere we get out to mexico usa and then brazil uh to bring us closer to the end of the season so uh some good start times in the mix for us out here in america so we will see you all in mexico 